the film series that won't die to nearly 30 movies, one house, actually several houses, and cursed artifacts. The Amityville Horror Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Amityville Podcast. I am Tom. And I am Pat. This week we're against the dark. They're against the night. Against the night. The Amityville prison, as it's known in some areas. And by some areas, we mean other countries. I, yeah. I, I was getting the title conflated with the Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. Yes, which was, in its own way, an epic disaster. Yes, the YouTube has like some sort of 20-minute uh, documentary about it that they keep pushing on me, and I'm almost tempted to, to, to click on it, because one, Julie Taymor... Yeah. Into, I had no idea. The guy playing Peter Parker, at least for one of the quote-unquote runs, was uh, uh, Dorian Gray from Penny Dreadful. Oh. Uh, Carney Reeves. Okay. Who's actually American. Huh. Yeah. Wait, an American Spider-Man? Yeah. It's kind of weird. Well, actually, you know... We're about 50-50. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of... I was talking about it with my brother the other night. As good as those first two Sam Raimi's hold up, mm-hmm. there is one real problem with both of them. Well, David Kep only wrote the first one, so what's the other? Tobey Maguire. Ah, huh? there you go. Who really, really does not seem to want to be in any of those movies. Fair. It's a bummer. It does. It's it's not fatal to them. But, no, you no. Know, it's yeah. it's just it's. Imagine if we had Andrew Garfield in the Tobey Maguire. Like he actually wanted to be Spider-Man just in he could also, the wrong Spider-Man movies. He could tell jokes. Yeah. Toby can't tell jokes. Not a strong suit. It's not... It, eh. Anyway. So, Against the Night. Against, right? That's, that, that's against the Night, yeah. Against the Night. Against the Night. This should have been like a Stevie Nicks, Eddie Money song back in the, day, back in the 80s. It very well may have been. Now I'm com- now I'm mixing it up with like the uh, was it the uh, Ten Thousand Maniacs? Uh, or no, that was a cover of a Stevie Nicks song, wasn't it? That was uh, Patty Smith. Night. Patty Smith. Oh, yeah, okay, because the night. yeah, because the night. It's always kind of a bummer, like when you're you, you know you're a band and you finally get that really big hit single and it's you covering somebody else's song, mm-hmm. like half of Smash Mouth's hits. <sighs> hey, All Star is a jam. All Stars Jam, and that's their original, but uh, Can't Get Enough of Me Baby, yeah. I'm a Believer. Yeah. Can't Get Enough of Me Baby is a cover? Yeah, it was an 80s new wave tune. Ah, that makes sense. Yep. Smash Mouth. Guys, if you're hearing this at home, or if you're listening to this, and please, thank you, I'm glad you are listening to this, you're starting to feel the toll that these movies are taking on us. <laughs> Where we, honest to God, don't want to talk about them. Like, this one, like, it'll be easier when we come back from the break and have actually watched it. But going into this, we did our quote-unquote research, and the most we can tell you about this movie is it stars, or it has, Frank Whaley. Yeah, we don't know how big a role, because a lot of times when you get to these budgets, like, with Eric Roberts being a headliner in a movie, (laughs) he might have literally phoned in a performance for five minutes. Yeah. Um, so we don't know how big a role Frank Whaley is, and some of you might be wondering, Frank Whaley, who, who is that? Who is Frank Whaley? He is probably, pop culture-wise, most best well-known as Brett, 
the ill-fated uh, robber of Marcellus Wallace in Pulp Fiction, mm-hmm. who is being interrogated as to what Marcellus Wallace looks like. Yep. Um, Though he has a big brain. He does have a big brain, which gets blown all over the car. It should, no, that's Marvin. No, that's Marvin. That's right. That's Marvin. Yeah, Played by... Hey, guys, if you're watching Pulp Fiction, keep an eye on Marvin. That is a, a live-action appearance of Phil Lamar. The Shit, voice right. actor, yeah, 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 voice actor with a resume as long as your arm, but not the least of which is a Samurai Jack from Samurai Jack and John Stewart from the old Justice League cartoon show. Mm-hmm. Whereas Frank Whaley, he's just one of those guys. Yeah, he's just there. He is like the as perfectly sized character supporting actor guy. Yeah, he's he's a great plug in. He was. He was the lead in a few things, but usually he's yeah. supporting, um, who's, as we talked about before we recorded, uh, he was Boy, uh, the villain in Little Monsters. And the thing like the thing that I think was the big block for me was, like, I know it wasn't Killian Murphy in that movie, but with the makeup, doesn't he look just like Killian Murphy? I can see that, yeah. It's kind of like with the hairline and just the flat kind of features mm-hmm. or kind of but not in the pretty way that Killian Murphy is but yeah. I, I honestly I, I think well Broken Arrow is hilarious because he's trying to be kind of a good guy in that one and it yeah. doesn't fit on him at all uh, I think my favorite performance of his is probably The Freshman but I just love oh, God. right 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 but he's he, yeah, he's somebody who you forget he's in things because He's not like a Bruce Campbell that's a draw, even if not necessarily always a mainstream one. Yeah. He um, leaves no... He's like a... He's an acting ninja. He leaves no impression. He gets the mission done, mm-hmm. and then he fades away. Yeah. Which uh, we were going to talk about. Uh, there are other actors like this, like Casey says Mesco. That is... Can't be the way you say his last name. As far as I know, it is, but it's, it's also... Some, a, isn't it Samesco? It Casey might be Samesco. Uh, but uh, the, you, the the long eyes he sounds really wrong. <laughs> I've never actually heard it out loud, so I've fair. just been going. No, by, that's fair. That's yeah. fair. I, I once knew a guy who pronounced the the director's name Toby Hooper. I've heard that a bunch of times before because it's it looks like Toby Hooper, but yeah. why wouldn't it have a Y? So you would well, think it's, it's, at most it's Tobe. You know, right. like Job, but there's okay. no way it's Tobe. Or Loeb. Or, or Loeb, yeah. yeah. It's like, there's no way it's Tobey Hooper. But yeah, yeah, yeah no Casey Semesco, definitely uh, a good 80s, also ran his, his and sister. Oh him. I'm sorry? And oh him. Yeah, yeah, uh, that guy. Yeah, uh, For if you don't know him, uh, he was the lead in 3 O'Clock High. Heck yes, he was. He is one of the young guns. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is one of Biff's gang in Back to the Future 1 and 2. Yep. Uh, him and Billy Zane are the, yeah. Billy Zane backup. is like a, kind of like a graduate of a that guy. Right, once like, you get like Demon Knight put him on the mark for a lot of us. God and then Titanic. So good. Uh, him and his I terrible Titanic. toupee in Twin Peaks. You mean, I mean, his terrible toupee in X. <laughs> True, but like in Twin Peaks, that show that was... Bad? That show was shot for television resolution, and uh, once they put out the remasters, you can yeah. see all the seams and plugs. John Justice Wheeler. Yeah. Always, like he, he sort of got like the same thing going on that like Brendan Fraser had in the first Mummy movie, where you're just like, it probably it looks fine, but mm-hmm. is there something going on no. there? 
rewatched Twin Peaks in yeah. HD. It mm-hmm. definitely was not accounted for. Fair. Yeah. But yeah, Billy Zane graduated out of that, but he was always popping up and stuff as a guy. He was popping up and stuff, a lot of stuff um, as a guy. But then, yeah, yeah, Demon Knight, Phantom, and then Titanic. Like, at yeah. minimum, he'll always have Titanic. He is king. Mm-hmm. Sh- like, in a movie where thousands of people die, none of which as the result of any of his actions, he is still the bad guy of right. that movie. That is like, something. You would think that the person who designed the ship yeah. or, you know, the captain who didn't steer the, you know. Or Mr. Fantastic who didn't spot it in enough time. True. That's Yoan yeah. Griffith. And actually, there was some speculation as to guy, if they had not turned and actually barreled forward, they would have had the momentum Ooh, to break like, the iceberg. Like but the, by turning, they scraped it just uh, enough that it ripped the side of the hull. Shit. Sort of it's like, all speculation. Sort of like when you, like you should try to hit the deer harder. Instead of like, to yeah, it goes that. against your instincts, and honestly, I don't want to yeah, hurt an no, animal. You don't but, want yeah. to, but it's it shouldn't have gotten in my way. Doesn't he understand that humans are the lord and masters of the earth? For now, anyway, for now, like your Xander Berkeleys, yeah, uh, your John Hurds, mm-hmm. um, uh, John Grease. John Grease. John yeah. Grease is one of my all time favorites. I mean, he's got a career taken from. He was the guy hiding underneath the dorm rooms in Real Genius. Yeah, he he was, was the werewolf in uh, Monster Squad. He was another. Uh, no, re- he was the desperate man in the Monster Squad. Right. It's one of my favorite. It's kind of like how, one of my favorite credits. It's like in um, Sleepy Hollow, Christopher Walken is credited as the Hessian Horseman, whereas Ray Park and the stunt guy, the, the guy that did the horse stunts, are credited as the Headless Horseman. If you watch awesome. in Monster Squad, John Grease is credited as the desperate man who's trying to convince everybody he's a werewolf. And then a different actor actually is credited did, as the Wolfman. Yeah, for the makeup and stunt purposes, yeah. yeah. But he did play a vampire in Fright Night 2. Yeah, he did. Uh, he was Uncle Rico in Napoleon Dynamite. I love, like, he had he's had that hairline for as long as you've seen him. But for so many of his movies, he's rocking the skeleton, and mm-hmm. it doesn't look weird on him. No, he pulls like, it off when he was on X Files. Looks just perfect for him. I don't think he had the skeleton on the X Files. It was well, he was wearing a hat. Maybe it was under mm-hmm. the hat. What a, Tony Todd? He's another one of. He's a yeah, he's but he got guy. to be a, a leading man. Yes. Yeah. Same with like uh, your Paul Giamatti did many years as oh, a bad guy, and then did the Howard Stern movie, and then it's and, like, oh, yeah, well, completely broke out. Things. Yeah. You can graduate out of your other guyness with yeah. the right role. Uh, Stanley Tucci, Stephen Root. Stanley Tucci. Both of them were in Monkey Shines back in their time of, like, they were just in a thing. And then Stanley Tucci winds up doing um, Big Night, I think, was his breakout. Uh-huh. Uh, Stephen Root, it wasn't until basically Office Space, because he had already been at Still in him when he was doing King of the Hill. But, like, the I Milton like, role. What about News Radio? He I was loved. A, he was that guy from News Radio. He was that guy from News Radio. I but, loved yeah. News Radio, but it was never sure. a major, you know, ratings yeah. hit. But like after Office Space, now people sure. know Stephen. Oh Ray. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, definitely, definitely. Like, but uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, so, him. So there are many other guys. Yeah, they're not as many. Oh, I mean, there are as many. Oh, hers, but you just don't really. None of them spring to mind. Probably because I'm a misogynist. Well, I mean, there's folks like uh, Corinne Bohr turns up in all sorts of stuff all the time. Which one's Corinne Bohr? Um, 
trying to think of good examples because a lot of dropped sitcoms. But yeah. um, well, I was saying like, well, there's like Casey Lemons, the uh, actress slash director. She was uh, Virginia Madsen's friend in Candyman, and then oh, yeah. uh, Jodie Foster's friend and uh, or roommate slash. Uh, co-student in Silence of the Lambs, but she's also a director in her own a director in her own right. She did uh, Eve's Bayou and I think the Martha uh, the Harriet Tubman movie that oh, came wow. out recently. Okay. I think she directed that. Nice. Um, so there's her Alfre Woodard for yeah. a while was for a another while. Was, an, was another guy. Uh, CCH Pounder was uh, I know CCH her for Pounder. a long time. Yeah. Um, also from Demon Knight, but also yeah. she was, I think, the first Amanda Waller that we got on film. Uh, if not, she was. She definitely she, she, played she, Amanda Waller. She was, some a, she was the JLA voice. She was the Justice League cartoon voice. I think she played a live action. No, no, no. Angela Bassett played her in uh, the Green Lantern movie, which is the first live action appearance. Uh, it was a different, skinnier actress on the Arrow show, and then we have Viola Davis, who was one of the few good things and. Both Suicide Squad movies. There's a lot of th- good things in the second Suicide Squad. No, it's about to, yeah, okay. Oh, no, that's why I'm qualifying. There's, yeah. a, there's a lot of great things in the second one. There's almost nothing in the first one other than Viola Davis, uh, Margot Robbie, and um, I don't know. Does Rick Flagg get redeemed enough in the second one? Well, but that's that's a second one in quality, not yeah, the first like one. It's not, yeah, it's not yeah. there yet. And Boomer. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, um, there's yeah, other guys. Yeah, and I know we. Some people would say, "Oh, you're just describing character actors," and yes, that's the same thing. But there are a lot of character actors who you know can go in. Like Tucci is still a character actor. Yeah. Um, Root is still very much a character actor, but John you know Carol the names. Lynch. John Carroll Lynch is an amazing O him. Yeah, um, he, he was the Lee, the the most likely suspect in uh, the Zodiac film. He was also Drew Carey's brother on mm-hmm. the Drew Carey show. Yeah. Uh, he was... Honestly, look up his resume and you'll just yeah. be astounded. Oh, there, there's yeah, actually, oh, him. oh, him. Oh, him. There is actually a little documentary called, like, That Guy or Oh, That Guy or something like that. Oh. And they interview all of these actors. It's like, it's Xander Berkeley, it's like Robert Joy. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are just like, yeah, we're just, you know. Yeah, we're, we're, we're work-a-day guys. We show up. It's funny. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember reading uh, uh, a cute article. Uh, or no, it was Harry Knowles' obituary of John Vernon. And uh, he uh, had run into him on the street. And he was just, he got so excited. And he called, and he called out to him. And John Vernon was like, oh, you know me from uh, what, Animal House. He's like, no, well, yeah, Animal House, but all the Clint Eastwood movies. Uh, uh, you're Kill- Rupert Thorne on Batman the Animated Series. Yeah, you were a Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Holy you're not going to make shit. it. Dummy out of me. Hells yeah. Yeah, John Vernon has it's been so in good. so many great movies, yeah. and he's always awesome in them. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah and, but, and he was a bad guy. Yeah, and apparently just really nice to work with. A Canadian, so you know, yeah, there you go. not there to you go. not to stereotype, but sure, sure. But yeah, so that so Frank Whaley is of that type, and they afford the, this movie could afford a certain amount of time with Frank Whaley, which is kind of a fascinating math, like horrible math problem. It's just like how much is this worth? Yeah, to well, your movie. I guess we will find out. Maybe this yeah. is a chance to shine. Yeah. Um, Not a lot of Oscar buzz around Frank Whaley in Against the Dark that I remember. 
Not to my knowledge, but the Oscars are rigged anyway. That's true. That's Look, true. If La La Land got awards or even got nominated, yeah. I don't trust them to recognize the genius of what we might be about to watch. Mad Max Fury Road won every technical award. George Miller was not even nominated for Best Director. Well, I mean, nobody told him to do all no, of those technical are, things he, he, for the service of a story. No, Duh. I think he was nominated, but he didn't win. Because it was uh, The Revenant won director and movie, and both of those were incorrect. Yeah. I will say The Revenant was an I, achievement. I don't think it's bad. I, I think it's yeah. a fine... Or, Actually, yeah, it, wa- it's watch it once and then you're done. You never ever, yeah. you never ever have to watch it again. As opposed to, you change the, you, you're clicking around the channels, any time, like at any point in the movie, you click on and Mad Max Fury Road is on. Something incredible is happening. Mm-hmm. Every single moment, I was just like, I was going through like the 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 guide on the TV, and it's like, oh, Mad Max is on. I wonder what part we're at. Clicks on. It's Rictus Erectus is in the background with a flamethrower, screaming in rage because he has not caught up with the with the truck. <laughs> and it's like, this is the greatest goddamn movie that was ever made, and it just <clears throat> nothing. Oh, can we watch Mad Max Fury Road instead? We'll watch it after the prison oh, movie. We need right. to give ourselves something when we get let loose. <sighs> but you get out of jail. I'm awaited yeah. in Valhalla. We need to have something waiting for us on the other side of these bars. That's true. That's true. All right. We'll see you guys in a second. Hopefully, the Frank Whaley makes it, you know, amazing. Yeah. All right. I'm going to go grab some chrome spray paint and let's get this thing going. a thing. We're out of prison now. We are out of prison now. Hooray! So, this Amityville prison, uh, to cover this right off the bat, is located in Philadelphia. The home, the actual Holmesburg prison. Which mm-hmm. is in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Yeah, they, and they, they show that they're in Holmesburg. Uh, there's a bridge that has it painted on it that's yeah, they're very clear that this is Philadelphia. Yeah, they don't even do, like, one of those, like, at the end of the movie, like, some peripheral reference to Amityville or something. So, no. I guess this is a bonus episode for you people at home. Yeah, this is not Amityville whatsoever. No, no, it is not. And it's not even thematically related, as it turns out. Not so much. Which is weird, because it manages to touch on... So many different horror movie genres and tropes and everything that you would have thought they would just accidentally fall into an Amityville thing. Mm-hmm. But no. Yeah. No, not even a little. There's like not even one brother and sister kiss in this film. Nope. No there flies. No fathers going crazy. No basements. No priests. No basements. There was no basements. No basements. In this dank, scary prison movie. Even Shawshank had a basement thing, didn't they? Yeah. And they even mentioned Shawshank, so by reference, you yeah. know. Because, you know. Yeah. Always remember, young and up-and-coming filmmakers, always reference better movies than the movie you have made. Mm-hmm. That's just... You always want to keep your audience thinking about movies they'd rather be watching. They love it. Yeah. <laughs> so the movie opens with Frank Whaley, our top-billed performer. Brett. 
Uh, he is interviewing Rachel, uh, trying to figure out what happened here. Uh, we hear over the walkie-talkie that they found two more corpses. Yep. They found a cell phone. Always loving, mo- loving stories that start at the end because, you know, it bespeaks a complete lack of confidence in the, pre- in the storytelling ability. Mm-hmm. We have to start at the scary part. Or the start at the end, you know, mm. to keep you interested. Yeah. Which is ironic, because now you know at least one person lives. Yeah, and I think they might have done it to say, oh, don't worry, the whole thing's not a giant prank on you. Um, there are going to be people that die in this. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't work, because I'd forgotten about it by that point. Ah, gotcha. But also, Frank Whaley is Frank Whaley is starting to look older. Yeah, I mean, Which, he's had a long career. I, I, I know, but it's like I hadn't seen him in a while, so you just have kind of like the default Frank Whaley from the 90s image that I usually have, and now he sort of looks like one of the uh, test subjects in Akira, where it's just like, he has the same exact dimensions that he normally has, but he's so wrinkly now. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Yeah. But he looks good. I mean, overall, he doesn't look bad. No, no, he just looks like, oh, Frank Whaley has aged too. It's it's like they put makeup on him to make him look older. Yeah. It reminds me sort of the Emo Phillips joke mm-hmm. of and I, I'm gonna get the name wrong and I know friend that will get it right all, every time, but it's like I'm walking down the street the other day and I run into old Billy Smith and I run up to him and punch him in the shoulder. Hey Billy, I haven't seen you since kindergarten, you old so and so. And he starts crying and screaming, Mommy, mommy, mommy. And I realized, wait a second, if that was Billy Smith, he would have grown up too. <laughs> a, a, a plus on the joke, but I'm going to give you a C on Ebo Phillips' impression. I didn't want to try. Oh, Nobody oh, can be. I wanted to hear it. Inimitable. 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 Uncopied. Amityville. Amityville, which, okay, we should actually know, because that this wasn't yep. Amityville. Amityville is apparently an inimitable. Against the night. So, we, after we have our obligatory prologue to the more interesting parts of the film, we cut back to a mere 8 to 12 hours earlier, mm-hmm. when all of these kids, undergrad, yeah, college-age kids are at a party. Mm-hmm. We jump right into the important, you know, turning point in their lives. They're playing flip cup. Yeah, they are. And they're they're all a bunch of, like, photogenic people except for Hank. Hank is a fucking nerd. Yeah, Hank is the nerd of the group. He has on the, uh, he has on the big glasses. He has on the knit cap. The Steve Sisu orange knit cap. Mm-hmm. And he is the video guy, always carrying around a camera. Basically, he's Mark from Rent. I've never seen Rent. Gotcha. Um, Mark's whole role in Rent is basically that he's the video guy, and he's trying to document their lives, and it's... uh, Oh, that sounds tedious. I like Rent, but... Oh, no, the character sounds tedious. Well... And we in this, most definitely. Yeah, it was... Um, It gets really old really quick. But don't worry... Because of his efforts, we do get to see boobies. In in the, in, the, in this sequence, yeah. uh, Mark, or I'm sorry, I'm going to call him Mark. No, yeah. no. Uh, Hank goes up uh, to videotape one of the couples that has you know snuck so, off. So, uh, Nick uh, and Carrie. 
Mm-hmm. Nick gives the big uh, thumbs actually, up before pretending to be to shot. Out, I oh, managed God. to map out who is with who. Because we have three, or I'm sorry, we have uh, four couples and Hank. Mm-hmm. Actually, ten, uh, five couples and Hank, if we count their, you know, surprise appearances later in the film. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but we'll get there. So, uh, they, they, everybody is playing a, uh, you know, one of those really rip-roarious, exciting flip-cup games that you remember from your college years where, you know, it felt like the whole world faded away while you were flipping a fucking yeah. solo cup and onto a table. they're flipping the cups so that they land rim-side down, which, as far as I know, is the exact opposite of what you want to do. You're supposed to get it rim back up, I thought. Really? So it's supposed to do, like, a full 360? At least the way we played it, because oh. that's a lot tougher to do. Fair enough. Flipping it so that the big side goes down is... Pretty easy, actually. Gotcha. Loyola was more of a Pong campus, so we didn't really do a gotcha. flip cup. Honestly, we were usually more in into quarters. games of uh, Asshole was a big one. Nice. Uh, zoomy Zoomy. What's Zoomy Zoomy? Um, it's one of those hand clap, give everybody a name, ah, like try and gotcha. remember shit, gotcha. back and forths. Yeah. It's much more an improv warm-up exercise yeah. than it is a party game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. fair. I so, may have been in the theater department. What? Heard. So as uh, they're in their in the middle of their riotous flip cup game, they hear the sounds of love coming from upstairs, and that is in fact Nick and Carrie uh, having sex. And so we get to see Carrie's boobs. So that is you know a check in favor of the film because it's just horror movies should have boobs. They yeah. just they just gen- well, nudity in general. Yes. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Oh no, yeah. we are very much in favor of duty. It's if it, it's a vulnerability for the characters, yeah. and it's titillation for a lot of the folks who are just. I'm lonely. About life. God damn it. Anyway, uh, so as they're uh, trying to, er- or as Nick is pretending to erase the footage from Hank's uh, data stick, they uh, Hank shows them. His uh, real line of business, which is making paranormal activity videos or ghost hunter videos. Yeah, he has a bunch of children that he admits freely he pays his actors to put these things on and then invites them all onto a shoot. He'll pay them each $200. $200. To go to this secret location downtown, which, as we find out, is this prison. Holmesburg Prison. And all they got to do is go in there, explore it for a little bit, help set up some cameras. Pretend to be scared. And then they make 200 bucks, easy peasy, let's go home. Yeah. Then uh, we get about 10 minutes of them walking to the location uh, and giving us loose ideas as to who relates to who, who has what hang-ups, a whole bunch of things that honestly don't really affect the plot. No, none of it does, and it's all the most subtle dialogue. Like, I heard, how do you feel about so-and-so after you broke up? I thought, like, you weren't, I thought you weren't into him anymore. What's going on? And I'm going to sleep with this person now. And here are my motivations and or foibles. Yeah. Funnily enough, you don't really get any of their names at this point, like you, you, you catch random names here and there, but it's mm-hmm. much later in the film that you yeah. can actually start putting them together. Yeah, people are naming who they're with without the other person being right next to them in context, so you can't visualize. Oh, they're a couple. Yeah, 
Yeah. But it was, I, I was excited at this point because it's like, hey, we got nine teenagers or college age kids. Let's Amityville slasher movie. Let's do this. Yeah. So they get to the prison and one of the characters says, we're really doing this? This is happening? I'm going to point this out again. If you're writing a movie and you're trying to say this isn't a movie through your characters, stop. Yeah. Just, just let it be a movie. Just let it be a movie. Nobody is watching the movie confused and thinking that you're actually just peering into lives. We, we rented... Be a movie. Yeah, we rented a horror movie. We're not looking for realism. Mm-hmm. At all. At all. Yeah, if you're trying to say that you're smarter than the audience, you just didn't. <laughs> and you're probably not going to through the rest of it. No. It was... I actually had, like, a note... Because, like, at, the, at this point, I had predicted, like, three different lines of dialogue. And I was like, I hate that I'm only two minutes ahead of this goddamn movie. <laughs> I should be smarter than this, but I'll take it. But then we have, like, one of my favorite uh, recent tropes in horror films. Half of the movie is a night vision because it's all found footagey. People are wandering around with cameras. And so mm-hmm. they get to be the camera person. and Man, this gets boring and hard to watch after a while. Yeah, which it's doubly frustrating because when it's not shaky cam night vision or looking down a dark hallway and seeing the red dot kind of moving around for long shots, when it's actually a decently lit shot, really well composed. Yeah. Really well put together. Not at the party, but like once you get into the prison, which is an amazing location, they actually did film in this prison. It is it is really great. And they make use of it. Like they They really get the a great look out of it. Uh eventually. Like at the the first couple sequences in the prison, it feels like okay and we're walking down the same hallway again. Right. Right. But they start playing with it. I I I do think that they shot it well. They they figure it out better. Yeah, they figure it out as they go. I agree. Um but uh yeah, and ironically, because the non-night vision parts are so dark and unintelligible, the night vision parts were the most, like, I was getting more out of that, which, oh. that's not a good sign. No, I, uh, mm. I oh, no, the, the night vision stuff was what was losing me. Oh, but. I agree. It was terrible. But, like, there were, the, I, I know the shots you're talking about, the well-lit ones, mm-hmm. and they were just so few and far between, especially at that, that part of the movie. Oh god! In the beginning, for sure, yeah. Yeah, like there's like it almost kind of reminded me of like behind Leslie Vernon, where it's like you get to the halfway point, and then the entire look of the movie changes when the plot changes in behind Leslie Vernon, and in this one, it kind of it feels like they were kind of trying to do a similar thing, where it's like, oh, we're gonna have more actually well shot scenes now that you know things are going. We should get to this point. Yeah. Uh, So. Uh, everybody splits up because it's a slasher movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, before they split up. Ah. Before they split up, uh, they find some stuff here and there, like just little notes and all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the characters says, oh, it looks like they were doing biochemical experiments here. Mm-hmm. This place, uh, you know, is maybe an evil prison that there was, you know, cruel testing on or whatever, spooky story kind of stuff, mm-hmm. including uh, the story of 40 acres of skin being harvested. Uh, just weird mm. things that you think, oh, this is definitely going to come into play later. Like, this is murder prison. This yeah. is, you know... Experiment prison. Right. Um, and before they all split up, Hank has everybody turn in their cell phones because, A, you're not going to get signal anyway. Yeah. 
B, he wants his cameras mounted all over the prison, but he doesn't want people individually to be using their own cameras on their phone to take pictures, Instagram, if there's no signal, who knows? Uh, yeah. uh, and he doesn't want them, this is actually a good reason, using the flashlights on their phones. Yes. You could have just said that and skipped the parts that are contradictory. Yeah, again, you're not going to be... Don't, don't worry about being, being smart. Don't worry about being thorough. And it's like, well, this is why there are no cell phones in here. Mm, and, just say, I don't want your flashlights. Put it yeah, in the bag. I don't want your flashlights. And also, we're, a prison that's, we're in a prison that's over 100 years old. The walls are too thick for them to work. Right. Check your signal. Put them in the bag. Save your battery for later. Whatever. Could have done that. Yeah. So they split up. And we get random pairings of... It's not random pairings. It's it's they all have ran different flavors to the pairings. Right, like couple the couples will split off as couples. Yeah. Um, a will they won't they ish couple apparently. Yeah, uh, split off that you know have a bit of a flirt going. But Dan, this is Brooke and Dan. Uh, Patrick has a crush on Brooke. She's a cutie. She is a cutie. Uh, Dan is kind of a raging douchebag and yeah. manages to, like, you can see Brooke keeping the door open for him at every single turn. And after a while, even she has to, like, you see it in her face, like, well, this is officially not mm-hmm. happening. It yeah. almost happened. You were, we were, we were, we, it could have happened at any given moment. Yeah, but, but you he really burns the crush up. down to the wick. Yeah, it's bad. Uh, Michelle and Susie are two girls. Susie is kind of flirting with the camera a little bit. Michelle is coded as a lesbian, but they Mm -hmm. don't appear to be a couple. No. Then they do kiss on camera, but it also feels after that, like, was that just them being playful and college flirty or were they an actual couple because the kiss did not seem romantic no no it was definitely more of a joke yeah uh nick and carrie oddly enough start having sex again mm-hmm. and then there's rachel and sean our serious main character couple they have history mm-hmm. they used to be together but then sean broke it off but rachel still has feelings it's that boring it's yeah. that boring and then there's Hank, who is off getting murdered. Mm-hmm. As far as we know. As far as we know. <coughs> this is... I can't even... Pre- I can't, No, I can't do the pretense. It is so obvious that Hank is not murdered at this yeah, point. Yeah, he's it's just... painful. They've all wandered off. They, and, okay, so the layout of this prison is basically a wagon wheel. Yeah. Uh, there's a central guard tower, and the then panopticon. there are... Hmm? The Panopticon. The Panopticon. Thank you, Cam Damage. And it's set... They, they discover this uh, just before this before they find Hank. Um, one of the couples wanders into a room... It's Rachel and Sean. Oh, uh, it is Rachel and Sean. See, it's a very thoughtful and introspective thing that they observe, and that's how you know that they're the serious people. And they're the ones who are going to make it out because they're puzzling through. And also we saw Rachel at the beginning. Right. So they find this room full of all of the blueprints for this prison that's been abandoned for years. Yeah. And I don't know how many jobs you've had where you leave the blueprints up in general for the building. But they find all of these old blueprints as to the building of the prison, the design of it, the layout, the wagon wheel. Um, It basically looks like they stumbled into one of the Hanso Corporation, like, uh, bunkers from Lost. Well, you mean Dharma. Well... 
the Dharma Initiative was paid for by the Hanso Initiative, uh, by the Hanso Corporation. Dude, for real? I I wrote Hanso I down on my I did not notes. understand that reference that you made because even though every other t- every other reference to the evil corporation in Lost is Dharma, you go with the group, the money group behind it for real. You fucking nerd. I have a podcast. Of course I'm a nerd. Sit in your shame. Sit in your shame. You made me not... You made me judge you on a thing about Lost. And I argue with people that Lost was great from episode one to the the season finale. Unironically awesome. And you did that to me? You son of a bitch. The Hanzo corporate. I was like, what is, what is the Hanzo? Like, Hattori Hanzo? What is it? Yeah, it's a Dharma! The Dharma Initiative! They called them Dharma Flakes. They were using that word so much. Yeah, the Dharma Flakes. The breakfast cereal on Lost. That's what, what's his name? Sawyer kept calling him. was like, get yeah, your Dharma Flakes. And yet, but oddly enough, they didn't call them Hanzo Flakes. That is how far you've gone. That is how far off the path you've gone. I'm just saying we might have found <laughs> in the prison commissary some Dharma flakes as provided and airdropped in by the man from Tallahassee. I hate you so much right now. So they find all these blue flakes. <laughs> I was going to make just a random reference about how I liked the scene better in the remake of House on Haunted Hill. When they find, like, the... When they find the... They, st- they wander into the office and they find the uh, the picture frame with everybody's name and photo mm, and everything. Yeah, yeah. It's the same exact thing. But, of course, you know, now that we have the Hanzo initiative... You son of a bitch. God damn it, that pisses me off. Continue. So we find all of these schematics, yeah. and we realize that, oh, there might be something bigger at play in this prison that was, at one point in its history, designed. What? They designed the prison to be a prison? And there's got to be something to this design, this yeah. wagon wheel yeah. spokes. Yeah. Why would you put the guard tower in the middle of long hallways. I mean, it can't be to isolate the prisoners and be able to section off different types of prisoner and be able to have like segmented lockdowns like a prison would have been designed for like this actual real prison that you're shooting in. That's just stupid. Yeah. You're stupid for saying that. (laughs) I smoke a lot of meth. Well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Uh, but yeah, and so in the middle of all of this, Hank gets murdered. Or, yeah, yeah. Hank is they they get back uh, to the they get back to the center of their individual spokes because again they all split up. Oh my God, Hank's lying there dead, and now all the kids are locked. What are we gonna do? But like over and over and over, and not actually contributing anything, not moving the debate or the strategy forward. They just keep doing this conversation. Mm-hmm. This conversation happens like ten times. Yeah. In an 82-minute movie. This movie felt so long. But anyway. Yeah. So, uh, Brooke and Dan are near some stairs. Dan goes up the stairs. He gets attacked. Yup. And disappears. 
Brook runs back. Dan um, got taken. I don't know by what. Mm-hmm. To which everybody correctly responds, what do you mean by what? Yeah. Like, what do you mean what? Yeah, don't you mean whom? whom? Yeah. Uh, Michelle um, sees something, grabs Susie, and describes it as something with big eyes and teeth. Teeth. So uh, it might be Elijah Wood. He has teeth, oh, and he has big eyes. His it, teeth are co- totally proportionate. Oh, no, his uh, big was not applied to teeth. It was just mm. it had big eyes, and it had teeth. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Um, I mean, it, I mean, could, it could have been Steve Buscemi. Could be Christina Ricci. Oh. These are people who have very big large eyes. and expressive eyes. Big eyes and teeth. Mm. Yeah. So they wander back, and everybody who's at this point known as a survivor uh, meets at the spokes. Hank is gone. Hank is the gone. camera is still there. Uh, they wind up reaching through the bars to because tr- of the locks on the gates it's to like, get to the camera. Now you have to imagine. Think back to when you were three years old. And you had that one big ball toy that had all the different shaped holes, and it was a challenge for you at three years old to make to match up the right shaped block to the right shaped hole and get the block through the hole. This is the same amount of challenge that these full-grown adults had in getting a handheld camera through the space between the bars. Mm-hmm. This is their secondary challenge, too. The first challenge was reaching the camera yep. because they half squat, uh, two different characters half squat, and reach out at a 45-degree angle to get to the camera. Which and is are, on the floor. The and they're barely not able to reach it instead of just lay down, add that 45, A, a squared, B squared equals C squared. Yep. You could have just grabbed it. Fine, easy. They get the camera. Somehow. And then and the camera, which was facing directly at Hank's head in the pool of blood, Hank's eyes open up and he smiles and starts winking at the camera because, of course, this has all been an elaborate prank because Hank is a douchebag. Mm-hmm. We're not sure why they're friends with Hank. Like, he didn't fit in at the party initially anyway, but this kind of behavior, and the fact that he has this in him, he's probably done shit like this before. Yeah, and for me it was less, I understand why they're friends with him, but I know that they're not going to be friends with him tomorrow. No, no, you don't no, no, do no, no, this no. in the spooky, scary prison, like, no. regardless of whatever jokes you've made before. Yeah. You've just convinced every, all of your friends you're dead. Now other shit is happening. And we're locked in a goddamn prison. Uh-huh. And you've just told them it's a prank and you're still leaving them locked up. Yeah. So whatever footage you're getting of them, air quote, being scared of ghosts is completely useless now. Yeah. So and so, so the group splits back up. Uh, the guys go off to investigate, leaving all of the girls at the center spoke yeah. um, cage doors, mm-hmm. at which point all of the named f- main female characters in the movie have a good conversation about all the guys. Bechtel test failed. We, <laughs> you were right there. You had your chance. Yeah, they, yeah, at every single moment. Because even like Michelle and Susie are talking about making a thing for Hank. Uh, Rachel and Brooke are talking about Sean on the walk over. And then, yeah, all four of them. I mean, they, I mean, they do talk about trying to get out. 
They do, but it's peppered with. Yeah, it's kind of it's the the guy stuff is so marbled into the conversation that it's impossible to separate, mm-hmm. and yet it's juicier. It's all the juicier for it. So they start checking the cameras. That was a good marbled fat metaphor, guys. Yes, it was. Thank you. I paused for laughter for our audience. You didn't laugh loud enough for them to hear it. <laughs> I'm a quiet laugher. It's a it's an audio meta medium, man. I know. I got to get over that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or you can just start clapping. Clap whenever I say something incredible. I'm gonna stab you. <laughs> it's a jazz between, clap between the handzo and the jazz clapping. Oh, you're gonna. I can talk about my record gonna, collection. I'm going to poetry slam your head into a wall. As long as there's coffee. Uh, that's fair. Anyway. So we start checking the cameras and they go to static. Um, the ones we find right before they go to static, we see a something pop up. We don't know what it is. Hey, mystery. And then people's, people start dying at this point. Mm-hmm. Which was, I got to tell you, because the prank was so thorough and obvious that it really... It undercut the next, like, 20 to 25 minutes of, like, people actually dying. Like, I was not trusting it even for a second mm-hmm. up until the end of the movie where it's like, nope, we we, we quit. And th- this is what I was hinting at earlier where, like, we uh, kind of, like, we drop the elaborate prank look and we start having more cinemat- uh, cinematic shots. Right, yeah. So it's, like, less hand... Le- le- not... Well, the handheld is still happening, but it's much less so. Yeah. So it's about what they're capturing of each other. Now they're just using the cameras mainly for the night vision. Yeah. And it's fun because, like, they meet up with Hank, and Hank doesn't know what the hell they're talking about. What mm-hmm. do you mean people are dying? Well, maybe you killed them. And it's, uh, like, there there is a level of cover-your-own-ass deviousness to Hank that is kind of impressive. Mm-hmm. In these arguments that he has with Sean, yeah. as Sean is still, he is already covered in somebody's blood. Yeah, he's got blood on him. Yeah, and I will give credit as soon as they find Hank and he kind of pops up, it's like, "Hey guys!" Sean's first reaction is to ah. knock him the fuck down. Ah, he basically slugs him across the face, which answered my immediate question as soon as I saw Hank of, I would punch that motherfucker right in that. Oh, good. You did. Yeah. You did. Yeah. Okay, it was, cool. It was very, very satisfying. Yeah. So, um, Hank admits it was all a setup. He has the keys to everything in the place. All right, fine. We can get out of here. But you guys might really want to know this. The place was designed for a reason. He grabs a bunch of loose bricks, sets them out in the design of the prison. The wagon and, wheel. Uh, the wagon wheel and points out something. What does this look like? And when they had found the blueprints earlier, yeah. it was also mentioned, oh my God, it looks like a crop circle. Which no, it, it doesn't. Crop circles are... Circles. It, traditionally. Yeah. Yeah. So I've never seen a wagon wheel crop circle. No. No. Um, I've watched signs a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of albums that have crop circles. No, I don't actually have any albums with crop circles on the cover. Just mm. never into Zeppelin. Mm, that's yeah. fair. But yeah. he's trying to explain that this prison was designed to look like a crop circle because crop circles are basically the helicopter landing pads for aliens. They make them so these people built this prison 
to be a landing place for aliens so that they can come to the place aliens really want to be a city but they can't make crop circles in cities so they had to design this prison to be one um no I actually have on my on my notes here. No, 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 no. That's five no's, people, in writing. Uh-huh. Yeah, it, it's, a, it, it's kind of the dumb version of Race Dance explaining uh, how Dana Barrett's apartment building was constructed. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, like, this just, this just, no, this doesn't work. Yeah. This doesn't work at all. Ivo Shandor was a much smarter man. Yes, he was. Than the people at the Hanso Corporation who made this prison. He was either a certified genius or an aesthetic madman. So now that we have this additional red herring just kind of dropped in our lap, like, well, a dead fish. I, I mean, it was just like, because like we still aren't, like at this point of the movie, we're still not completely out of the... Everything could be an elaborate prank by Hank. Mm-hmm. Like we're missing, we we've seen like two, like we've got like five people missing. Uh, one of them can be in on it with Hank. Yeah, and Dan is one of them, and Dan is a douchebag. So I wouldn't. It's obvious Dan and Hank are together. Dan, who is wearing a T-shirt with a video cassette on it, saying that says "Rent me." Like why video cassettes? Hank Hank is a camera guy. Connection. Yeah. But, uh, but no. No. No, there wasn't. So, at this point, people start actually dying. Mm-hmm. They actually find uh, two of the bodies in one of the empty cells. Yep. This is uh, Dan. Or no, it's Nick and Carrie, I think. Or no, it's Nick and Susie. Sure. I think so. I think so. The girl is either Carrie or Susie. I think they're all there. I think, I, think three, so. I think all three of them are there. Michelle and Dan, M- Michelle and Dan are MIA. Right. Which is They're part of why I still don't trust anything. But that's when the gas mask shows up. Mm-hmm. Well, um, who has... Uh, Hank has a stun gun. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Once Hank starts... Hank starts really selling that, you know... It's either Hank is aware now that people are actually dying or Hank is really just trying to sell the next stage of the prank and so he pulls out his tongue mm-hmm. um, he's kind of holding that on them they all argue and then something sneaks up attacks them kills Brooke oh, and they all kind of scatter whatever it is disappears but yeah um, then Hank on camera through like gets killed like yeah. blood runs out of his mouth and he actually is dead dead now as we as far find, as we as we would find out again it was really the prank the the level of elaborate prank was such that i was having complete trouble trusting and or investing in anything yeah. oh, absolutely. at this point it was really annoying <clears throat> but uh at this point we start seeing a figure in a gas mask kind of like a less defined version of like the coal miner from My Bloody Valentine. We have like a gas mask, but like the body is just kind of like a tarp or something, a poncho. You don't really know. But again, since the mask is covering up the entire face, it could still be Michelle or Dan. Mm -hmm. Because we're not ruling anything out. But then we have the, what, like conversations four through eight of the, well, what are we going to do? Well, we should do this. But what about this? Well, then we should do this. But what about this? We should, our, we should find our friends. We should leave. What is open? What is unlocked? Who has the keys? Who do we trust? What is a lot of what's going on and what's going on? And, uh, they find of, a laptop. It's not a lot of butter on a lot of toast. Yeah. 
Uh, they do find the laptop that all of the footage is going to. Mm -hmm. And all they discern from that is that the cameras, when they go out, have a thing pop up in front of them. Cool. We knew that. Great. And uh, also, there's a guy in a gas mask. Okay. Well, as you look at the footage, they do find Dan is alive somewhere in a gas mask, tied up. Yeah. And then somebody in another gas mask comes into the room. Sean has grabbed an axe already. Which Hank had referenced that he had an axe earlier. Mm -hmm. It's it's Chekhov's axe. Yeah, but again, it's like this could be a fake thing. Again, it like it it was so it will tell I'll tell you the point when I started believing the movie. Continue. Gotcha. So uh, and the movie again because of some of these scenes felt long, so this could have been the finale. Gas mask person comes in. Yeah. Sean gets him right in the forehead, and they pull the mask. It was Michelle, and her mouth was duct taped. Yeah. So, Michelle dead. By Sean Sean's hands. Yep. But, uh, as your attorney, you would be able to argue that this is all Hank's fault. Trust me. Absolutely. This is heightened emotional state. This... Sean, Sean, Sean would be in trouble, don't get me wrong, but oh, yeah. it wouldn't be jail forever trouble. Right. Um, so they go to find... And you wouldn't want to put him in jail, because like that kind of thing, you want him out and about and drinking himself to death. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't understand our legal system, but sure. I mean, it's, you know, it's there to either enslave African-American people or to drive other people to death. Oh, then I did understand it. Okay. Yeah, no, you got it. All right, got gotcha, it. cool, cool. All right, so they they get to Dan, and he can't remember shit. He has no idea how he got there. Mm -hmm. Somebody in a gas mask mm -hmm. tied him up, put the gas mask on. I guess gas masks are the thing for everybody. Wait, how did you know about the gas masks? I just said a guy in a gas mask found me and tied me up. Like Sounds like bullshit to me. Mm-hmm. But he saw how they had gotten in and out of the place. It's through this door that is right here. They reluctantly untie him. They try and make their break for it to another spot where they stumble across a meth lab. And this was... And it's, gentle listeners, understand when I say this. It's rare when a meth lab is a ray of hope. Yeah. But it felt like... Oh, oh! This could explain everything. Mm -hmm. This could explain the whole movie, and this right. could work. Yeah, no shit. You definitely misdirected us very well. Yeah. Did not see the meth lab coming. No, I see where it all fits. It, the gas masks. Yeah. The, yep, 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 the, yep, yep, the yep, surreptitious. Yep. The uh, running around in the dark and not wanting anybody to be there. Mm -hmm. So yeah, all the guys in the gas masks are actual meth lab chemists. Yeah, something that. Hank didn't discover when he had come in here previously to set all the other cameras he had apparently put in, as well as, you know, placed locks and all that. Bigger plot, bigger plot hole, but on a similar idea. Nor had any of the meth lab guys noticed him. Yeah, or all Setting of the locks cameras. that he put in place and, and all locks. the cameras going up. It's like, don't get me wrong, it doesn't look like they're like regular, exploring the prison on the regular, but still, it seems yeah. weird. And we're not that... saying they're Walter White smart, but no. cameras. They had, cameras yeah. and stuff. But so, the meth lab chemists are actively trying to kill Dan, Rachel, and Sean at this point. Yep. And as, I swear to God... All the excitement drained away when they managed to get when Rachel and Sean or Dan gets killed, 
and then Rachel and Sean manage to get away, and they immediately go back to the, well, what should we do? Mm-hmm. Or wait, no. Dan, is Dan dead, or are they Dan? Just, they run away, and they don't know what happened to Dan. Um, Dan, I thought, got killed, but I then they killed the... Um, this they a, killed Dan... Then the meth lab yeah, guy, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, they killed the meth lab guy. Yeah. It's and like, then we find out, uh, and then Sean calls 911. Yeah. And actually calls it. I thought that might be another red herring, like, uh-huh. you know, a scream, there's two villains, spoiler. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> or, I didn't know. I, I still yeah, wasn't yeah, yeah. trusting the movie, but I mean, you know, they have told us that yeah. now there are things done. You know, right. Dan, expect the unexpected. Dan gets killed. They make their way into the meth lab. Dan identifies it as a meth lab, grabs a baggie of meth in excitement, and then when the gas of the gas mask pops up behind him and kills him there. That, that, right. That's what happened. Then they kill the meth lab guy. Then yeah. another meth lab guy pops up. Run, run, run. Run, run, run. Um, they're about to get away, and then through the haze, they see a dark, shadowy figure Which, uh, burst through a door, yeah. and Sean grabs a pair of scissors. Yeah, understand that the math lab is so active. Like, the, there is a reason the chemists are wearing full gas masks there. You, the uh, Rachel, Sean, and Dan are selling the fact that there are noxious fumes all throughout this lab, and so they're having trouble seeing anything. Uh, they turn the corner... They see a dark figure that looks not unlike the gas mask guy, and so Sean stabs him. Or the pair of grabs scissors. the scissors, almost. Sta- I don't know if he got him. No, he, he stabs him, him the but he, he gets him in the body armor. Gotcha, right. Yeah. Okay. Because it turns out it's the SWAT team. And Sean gets shot right through the chest. Yeah, because you, 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 you stab the cop, mm. and you're in a meth lab, and who yeah. the fuck knows what's going on, and... And so, I mean, you're lucky with he was white, so he got shot through the sternum and had a chance to think about what he had done. If he had been black, he would have just been, you know, there would have been a, a just a barrage oh, of yeah. bullets. He would have been goo. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, Rachel is dragged off, not even screaming, just like dragged hey. off in shock. Just hey. like, uh, the, uh, 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 yeah. No, that's appropriate. It Sean, was appropriate. Sean, it was Sean, Sean I liked dumped that. her. Sean dumped her. Right. He, she owes him nothing. Also, it was it was kind of a I'm broken inside right yeah. now. Like there's no words anymore. It's like what in the fuck just I happened? Liked it. No, yeah. it works. It works. Um, and then we go back to the interview. Yes, and we. I swear to God, there were like ten minutes left on the counter at this point. Mm-hmm. It was like what. What is what is there left to discuss? And so we have like another five minute back and forth between Frank Whaley and Rachel going, well, what happened? Well, I told you what happened. But what really happened? But yeah. I told you what happened. But what really happened? It there was, are cameras everywhere! Sorry. It was a lot like the version we didn't need of the end of Burn After Reading. Yes. So what happened? Well, this and this. Okay, but why this? This and this. Okay, but why this? Okay. Uh, except uh, it is, you know, Whaley does point out that the whole place, I mean, since it was a meth lab, the fumes were everywhere and meth is a hallucinogen. Yeah. And he so they does, may have. He does refer to it as methadone, though, which was kind of funny. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's yeah, like yeah, methadone yeah. is a hallucinogen. It's like, well, yeah, but they were making crystal methamphetamine. Yeah. I mean. Or maybe they were making methadone and they just. 
God, aren't very good at this. Do do like you know the methadone clinics? Do they accept donations from just local methadone farms or something? I guess I've never looked into it. I feel like it would be a controlled substance. (laughs) But anyway, so yeah, uh, he does explain that, and then he uh, point after she he 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 interrogates her. Clearly implying that she's responsible for all this, or at least very all, much understood. All, all of her friends, like her and all of her friends. Right. Yeah. Um, though he then does mention, well, we are reviewing the footage. Cool. Why don't you do that first and then interrogate for the gaps? Yeah. But they make sure to recap everything as they're reviewing the footage previously on this movie. Which was not that long, even though it felt very long. Yeah. And once we've made sure to recap all of the loose ends and red herrings and we don't knows. The, the walkie. Po- sir, so, oh yeah, the power, er, the power goes oh no, out. No, first it's, sir, we, uh, we've got the footage. I think we've got some Im- new information. It's not what you think. Then the power goes out. Then there's then a whole barrage of gunshots. <laughs> and then a lot of blood. And then all of a sudden we see one of those figures that had been knocking out all the cameras. And it is, in fact, a Cthulhu-like alien. Because, honest to God, that is my final note. That is my final note of this movie. Were three words, honest to God. It's Rachel face-to-face with this alien leaning in, staring her down. Cuts of credits. It was aliens. It was aliens. The least likely and least developed of the red herrings and subplots. Oh, that was it. There's a reason why people say have your cake and eat it too as a negative thing. This is that movie. Yeah. And yet I don't hate it. No, there were there were definitely fun parts of it. I kind of like all the actors in it. I liked the performances. I liked that. I thought they were all kind of fun. It's just... Mm-hmm. This I liked a lot of the the, the individual character choices, not yeah. just from the performers, but, like, punching Hank immediately. And, yeah. like, characters would occasionally do things that legitimately felt real. Yes. And, and it is, like... It, it may just be enough that after weeks of seeing very amateurish uh, outings this is a movie like this the clearly it's not like a main studio film but the guy is it Brian Cavallaro uh, the writer director mm-hmm. does know how to put a movie together yeah. like it looks like a movie and it was oh that's just refreshing after yeah. the last couple of weeks it's like oh my god it's a real movie um, but it just it keeps squandering any momentum it has. It has mm-hmm. trouble building momentum to begin with. Yeah, it's just like if it's just like if you're having if you're gonna do kind of like a straightforward slasher setup, uh, you don't need to waste time on a lot of things because we know the language, we know where you're going, or where we know at least where you're starting with this. Yeah. So let's get there a little bit quicker and mm-hmm. get to actual fun stuff. Yeah. Admittedly, he may not have had the budget to have to have more fun stuff in it, which is but, a problem. But he he had the time and the actors to have made the dialogue less filler so often. Yeah, there was a again a lot of repeating. What do we do? Mm-hmm. Let's just do a thing. Like have the decisions be quicker. Explore more hallways. Explore more options. Explore more character dynamics. None of the relationships are really anything more than just saying that two people are together and now they're asking each other what to do. And now they're dead. And now they're dead. Which is 
what you want in a slasher movie. Mm-hmm. It's not these aren't supposed to be, you know, uh, Vladimir and Estragon. These are just people that are there to be murdered. Yeah. But be fun and memorable before you get murdered. Like Dan was memorable, Hank was memorable. You know, the guy the the guy playing Sean was much more interesting than the character Sean. Uh, yeah. Ra- Rachel was just kind of there. Rachel and Michelle, I felt, were kind of interchangeable no. for chunks. No, Michelle was the um, the lesbian girl. Oh, wait, then who? Susie, maybe. Susie. Yeah, Susie is not a, char- not a real character. Yeah. Yeah. I love that I managed to get all of their names. <laughs> I definitely did not. There, there, the, we watched this one on Tubi, and the sub there were no subtitles available, so God help us, we had to actually pay attention, which may be part of the frustration we're having right now. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that I've ever taken as few notes on a movie as this one. Like, even the Vanishing Point one. Yeah, where you checked out. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, that was bad. Clown House had more notes. Yeah, this one. Like, I found myself, like, I realized, like, wow, this movie, we're like a third of the way through it, and I've taken two notes, because there's nothing happening in this movie. Yeah. Or nothing that I won't remember easily in 45 minutes. So, but, I, I mean, resale value, I'd go medium. Medium, medium level. It, yeah. It's not, it's not, the, it's not, definitely not the worst that we've watched. It, no, it's definitely not. Even, not. It's not bad. Man, I, like, I really thought we had, like, a Hell World... Uh, Hellraiser 8 situation with the meth lab because Hellworld not to spoil too much but there's a lot of things if you're a fan of the Hellraiser series there's a lot of parts of Hellworld that don't make sense uh, given what we know from earlier parts of the franchise to the point where it's just like God in heaven this is either the stupidest thing in the world or it's on purpose and then a thing happens in the film it is on purpose and it's actually pretty clever and satisfying. Mm-hmm. And so with the meth lab, we had like a five minute window of that, and then it just kind of got squandered. Yeah. Yeah, there's some there were some great ideas. Um, just could have used, I guess, a little bit more. Yeah. More substance, more content. Yeah. More actual stuff happening. But not bad. I I wouldn't go kicking and screaming into watching it again. Yeah. Also, some sort of tangential reference to Amityville. (laughs) Would have been nice. Would have been nice. I I know we went into that with the knowledge that this was probably not even remotely an Amityville movie, but, you know. Yeah. And when when it's not an Amityville movie, we don't hold it against it. No. But the marketing team is a different team than the filmmakers a lot of times. And we've actually, out of... This is the third real yeah, fake retitle fake-out. Fake yeah. um, I'd say the one that came the closest was the, um, the one with Damien Dark. Uh, yeah. That actually yeah. did purposely tie back to Amityville. And yeah, it was just a fun one anyway. That was pretty good. Yeah. Next week, Dear God in Heaven... Jennifer Jason Lee is in next week. Oh, okay. Amityville: The Awakening. Well, I believe this is an actual MGM one. Uh, this is this ties to the film series directly um, through the licensed wing of it. Oh my God! There are there are a lot of people that are recognizable. 
Oh, maybe. Such oh, as? Maybe. Any good O'Hims since we described... Uh, well, yes, actually. Uh, Kurtwood Smith. Oh, excellent. Red. He was a O'Him until that 70s show. Yeah, people he... knew him as maybe Clarence Boddicker. Yeah. Uh, um, I knew him as the insidious Mr. Sue from The New Adventures of Beans Baxter. Savage Steve Holland did a teenage spy show for like for Fox in their first couple years. Is that years. what that was? Okay, I remember the name Beans Baxter, but I never checked it out. So. Oh. I remember it being a lot of fun. I have two episodes on tape that I still stand by, but overall the series, yeah. I hope it was pretty good. It was Savage Steve Holland. Of, sure, sure. Uh, the uh, Tape Heads? Is that him? He's... No, uh, Tapeheads. Steve uh, Holland is with uh, John Cusack's. Yeah, he he did One Crazy Summer. He did Better Off Dead, uh, How I Got Into College. Oddly enough, the Encyclopedia Brown show for HBO. I loved that show. Oh, yeah. And he did Eek the Cat. That was one of my favorite. uh, Eek the Cat is a good time. Mm -hmm. One of the uh, Malignant, I think my favorite throwaway line is one of the police detectives calls one of the main sisters uh, what Wikipedia Brown Nice. And I was like, ah, I see what you mm-hmm. did there. Also, fun fact, Encyclopedia Brown's name yeah. is Leroy. So when you hear the song Bad, Bad, Bad Leroy Bad Brown, Leroy I Brown. like to personally believe that it's about a grown-up Encyclopedia Heck, Brown who's yes fallen on hard times. Yes, it is. And actually, it has some horror movie pedigree, the McKenna Grace. Uh, she was one of the kids on A Haunting of Hill House. She was a... Young Theo, yes, she. I was getting to okay. it that she's in the Ghostbusters movie, and phenomenal in it. Sure, sure. I, have, I still don't want to see it. You're wrong. I know I'm wrong, but whatever. And also Jennifer Morrison is in this. Dear God. All right, so I'm it's looking a forward to movie. next week. It's a real movie. It's a real movie. There's people I like in it. Jennifer Jason Lee, Kerwood Smith, McKenna oh. Grace. I love Jennifer Jason Lee. But anyway, so this was Against the Dark, which is not an Amityville movie. Despite its Amityville prison name. But it did have a prison, so the name was only half a lie. Yeah, only half a lie. And Against the Dark doesn't mean anything. No, they're they're in the dark, Mm -hmm. so they're not against it. Escape the Dark? Escape the Dark would have been a better uh, title. Yeah, but that sounds like a really bad PlayStation 2 game. Yeah, like an escape room type of thing. That's fair, that's fair. Wow. All right. Well, we'll see you next week for Amityville, The Awakening. The Awakening. See you later. If you want to interact with us online, you can check us out on Instagram or Twitter at Amityville Show, or you can send us an email at podcastamityville at gmail.com.